right now we got to turn our attention over to the National Hockey League. A couple of big matchups coming up tonight. You got the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the San Jose Sharks. We had some big action last night in the National Hockey League, including involving the including involving, excuse me, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And joining us with the latest on that story, including last night's Predators 5-2 victory over Vegas, is our next guest, one of the great columnists over at Gaming Today and our NHL insider, our good friend Willie Ramirez. Willie, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm all right. A lot going on. And, uh, you know, there's uh, there's always time to, you know, you got to make room for everything on a sports talk show. So want to give some uh, some props here to a lot of big stories happening in the National Hockey League. Let's talk about last night, Nashville, a 5-2 victory over Vegas. Uh, talk a little bit about what you saw in that game last night. Yeah, you know, uh, the Golden Knights had come in off of a two-game win streak. Um and, and they seem to have turned things around, but Nashville comes in. They're actually the most prolific offense right now through the first couple of weeks of the season. And uh, they, they came out strong. They, they, they looked good in the first five minutes, and then Golden Knights decide to uh, turn things up a little bit. They take a 2-1 lead. But then they come out in the second period, and Nashville scored three unanswered goals. And, you know, they, they, they really look good offensively, but where – where this team is, its strength is coming from in terms of turning that offense around and, and really producing the goals it is, is on the defensive end and creating opportunities, sort of neutralizing that the middle of the ice there in the neutral zone and, and clogging up the lanes. And, and they did a great job in shutting down two of the most uh, potent lines in, in the NHL, that being uh, Golden Knights' top two lines of Marchessault, Carlson, and Riley Smith. And then you got Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Paul Stastny. Uh, those two lines were great in the first period, and those are the two lines that produced goals. But once Nashville made its adjustments, and Pekka Rene did a great job. Well, it was kind of interesting. I had a chance to spend some time with Pekka Rene last night. Um, everyone else was interviewing a lot of the other forwards, and, and, I, and I sat there with, with Pekka a little bit, and I said, you know, I noticed in the game notes that you, in six meetings, you had only met the Vegas Golden Knights twice. Soros had been in net the other four times. He said, yeah, I'm not sure how that came about, but Soros has always had success against the Golden Knights. And he and Pekka Rene, here's a four-time Vesna finalist and, and the winner in 2018, and he had never beaten the Golden Knights. So for him, it was sort of a big achievement. Um, and, and overall for the Predators to come in off of a loss in L.A., they lost 7-4, to four. they fell behind 4-1, to one. they tied the game 4-4, four to four, and then they end up losing. For them to come to Vegas and sort of stop this streak uh, that the Golden Knights were on was a huge accomplishment and a lot of individual accomplishments for, for them. So um, I think the Golden Knights just sort of didn't expect Nashville to answer the way that they did in the second period. And it, took them for, it took them out of their game. Marc-Andre Fleury gets caught behind the net. Philip Forsberg makes him pay for it. He got lazy, got sloppy. So a lot of silly mistakes by the Golden Knights, but I'm not going to say that the Golden Knights won this game because Nashville was there to take advantage of, of them. So very impressed with, with what the Predators did. Certainly a Western Conference contender. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a preview of the Western Conference final because two of the better teams in the West.
Good stuff. Willie Ramirez joining us here on Fox. We appreciate his time very much this morning. We're early in the season, so we don't want to make too much out of unbeaten streaks right now. Teams that haven't gotten a lo- teams that haven't picked up a loss yet this year. But it is notable when you look at the top standings right now in both the Atlantic Division and certainly across the aisle over at the Central Division right now that you've got the Colorado Avalanche without a loss this season, and then back east you got the Buffalo Sabers without a loss this season. How are we? How are we looking at those teams right now and are these streaks for real or are these just early season you know highlight moments for these clubs well i think when you look at the history of the franchises you have to wonder or you have to assume that like buffalo is going to go through its 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 uh its trials and tribulations and eventually you know fall on its face because that's what it's done but the one thing that i'm reading a lot about they're happy they're excited but this is a year they're not allowing themselves to become complacent the veterans have really stepped up to remind everybody that how early it is you know they've earned a point in its first six games um first time since the team went 6-0-2 through its first eight games in the uh, back in 2008 but like i said the veterans are not letting everybody get overly confident they are currently on a very important road trip because last year buffalo was 12-24-5 and with a suitcase in hand, and this is a team that has to establish itself on the road, especially when it comes to the Pacific time zone. So they have a pretty important road trip here. Um, They have some youngsters mixed in, but I think that they're playing and have established the chemistry that they need to with the veterans. They're learning from it. You have rookie forward Victor Olofsson. He's already set an NHL record. He became the first player to score each of his first seven career goals on the power. And in uh-uh. Have to have some confidence that after beating not just the stars, but Ben Bishop. You know, he just beat Ben Bishop on Monday, and Bishop was twelve zero and one against the Sabers prior to Monday's loss. So I think there's a lot of confidence. It's a matter of those veterans reminding the youngsters, "Hey, don't get overly confident." With Colorado. I think that Colorado could be a real danger for a lot of teams in the West, like Nashville, like Vegas. Um, you know, this is a team that had, you, you talk about Nathan McKinnon, you talk about Miko Ratchinen, you got Grubauer and Nett. Um, they have really playing, what, what you see in with Colorado is they're playing 60 minutes of hockey, Steven. This is a team that has scored at least one goal in 12 of their 15 periods, 13 of 16 if you include the overtime. Um, they just scored four, four, four first period goals at the Capitals on Monday in a 6-3 win. Um, they've scored on their first three shots on goal that night, four of their first five. That's a team that's loaded with a lot of talent, a lot of veterans. They brought in Pierre-Edouard Belmar from the Golden Knights, and he is a guy who is very strong on the special teams. He lends a lot of leadership in the locker room. I really like the Avalanche, and, the, and, and, and I think that we're seeing something that could be consistent throughout the season. I'm not sold on Buffalo yet. I am on their goalie, but it's just going to be a matter of whether those young guys can buy into the philosophy that the veterans are sort of trying to employ. Colorado going to be on the road tonight taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. You can watch that game on the NBC Sports Network. Part of a Wednesday night doubleheader following that game will be the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the Edmonton Oilers. And again, Buffalo also on the road tonight taking on the Anaheim Ducks. Willie Ramirez joining us here on the show from Gaming Today magazine, and we appreciate his time very 
very much this morning. Uh, let's talk about some NFL news. And obviously, a big story yesterday was the trade. Jalen Ramsey going over to the Rams. We got the Broncos taking on the Chiefs tomorrow night. I know that's a game that you guys are going to be following closely over at Gaming Today News. Uh, Denver winners of two in a row right now. The Chiefs losers of two in a row. Uh, and it's an intriguing matchup for me uh, in the sense of Denver's defense. They haven't given up a touchdown in nine quarters right now. Give me some quick thoughts on that game tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, Denver's been a team that I've been sour on just because I feel as if John Elway really made a huge mistake in in not hiring Kyle Shanahan. And, of course, it, it, it sounds, twenty you know, 2020 vision hindsight, but I've been saying it since Denver, since the preseason. I thought that he made a big mistake. So I was sort of sour on that. You bring in a guy like Joe Flacco, you need to bring in an offensive guy. Instead, you bring in a defensive guy. And over their first four weeks, you know, they lose to the Raiders, the Bears, the Packers, the Jaguars. Um, now all of a sudden the defense is stepping up. The problem is I don't necessarily have – I've never been a, a fan of Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. And Tennessee is one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams. I'm not sure what to make of the Titans. So I don't think that we have a great gauge on the Broncos. I don't know if we judge them in their games against in losing to the Raiders, um, struggling with the defensive Bears, going to Green Bay and – and, and losing to, to Aaron Rodgers, and then you, or, or a team like Jacksonville. I don't know whether to gauge them on their wins over the Chargers or Titans. I think with Kansas City, we all know that the defense has always been shoddy. This team opened up 4-0, and it did so with a, with a high-powered offense. It ran into an Indianapolis and Houston team. Those are two. Now, now think about this. They, they lost their last two, but they're to AFC South teams. What does that say about the AFC South? So you have to weigh sort of the schedule strength. I think personally that the Chiefs are going to expose Denver for what they truly are. I don't, I'm not buying into Denver. I'm still a believer in Kansas City. I don't think that there's, there's, there's areas of concern because I don't think that Denver's offense is strong enough to challenge Kansas City's weak defense. So, um, I've been a big believer in the Houston Texans, so so I, I actually had the Texans last week in my column in gaming today against Kansas City. Wasn't sure they could win outright, but I did say that it was possible and they would challenge for it. Um, so tomorrow night, I like the Chiefs. I think that the odds makers got it right. I think it's. A, I think that the line is cheap. I think if the Kansas City doesn't lose its last two games, that they're laying more than three in Denver tomorrow night. So I like the Chiefs. I don't, I'm not buying into Denver, and I'm not buying into this defense because they stopped the Chargers and the Titans. Uh, yeah, I, I I get both sides of that, and my argument on the flip side for Kansas City is. It would be nice, maybe at some point, maybe in practice this week, if Andy Reid would introduce Patrick Mahomes to his running backs because that doesn't seem to exist in any Andy Reid offense. Like, the running game has never existed in an Andy Reid offense. LaShawn McCoy is a very viable running back, and you need to take some pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. The ankle injury is a problem going forward, and it would be nice if maybe Patrick Mahomes was introduced to LaShawn McCoy because I think then you could actually get some things done, and you could even introduce Tyreek Hill into that running game a little bit now that you've got him back in that lineup as well because I think that's going to be something that if Kansas City wants to reestablish themselves, I think it'd be great if you could take just a little bit of pressure off Patrick Mahomes. 100% agree. And I think that the ankle injury, I think it came to light. And I think that he realizes that. And I think because he's familiar with, 
with his back um, from his Philly days. I think that that's imperative, and I think that that has to take place, especially with this being a game on the road on a short week. So I agree with you, and I think that you're going to see Andy Reid sort of wake up and have to balance his offense. He's going to have to utilize his rushing game, especially between the 40s and in short yardage situations and not depend on his dual-threat quarterback. And, 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 and on the other side of it, you know, you always see – uh, the, the coaches try to, to micromanage, but then you, you sort of, we hear this and, and not to, not to, not to compare hockey to football, but we hear the, I hear this all the time in the locker room and with Gerard Gallant and Mark Andre Fleury. Well, we confer with him. He feels fine. He wants to play. Well, this is a big question mark with how much time Fleury is going to be in net. Well, I got to wonder how much they're going to confer to Mahomes and him saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, at some point, you're right. They have to balance the offense and tomorrow is a good, is a good opportunity to do that on a short week, you know, against a, a division foe um, in 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 the altitude, right? So I think that I think that you'll see that, um, and I think that he's finally seeing that the ankle injury is a little more serious. He's he's playable, but you're going to have to depend on balancing it out with the rush with the rushing game. Willie Ramirez joining us here on the show. Another fascinating story over at Gaming today this morning is the story about the Carolina Panthers and what's going to be a developing story as Cam Newton starts to recover from whatever it is that the foot injury is right now. That's going to be an uncomfortable discussion that Ron Rivera is going to have to have at some point with Cam Newton, particularly if the Carolina Panthers keep on winning. Right now, Panthers are 4-2 and two straight up and against the spread. Okay, so I'm going to put you in that position, Willie. You're uh, you're Ron Rivera. When Cam Newton is ready to go, who's quarterbacking the Panthers? Kyle Allen. If I'm the coach of that team, he's 5-0 and as a starter, 4-0 this year, and if it's not broke, you don't fix it. Um, here, here's the thing is, it's conceivable Newton will be better by October 27th, and that's when the Panthers go visit undefeated San Francisco. Um, they, they have a bye week to prepare for it, the thing is, I, I, I don't know if you want to mess with the chemistry. In, in, we just talked about balancing an offense, right? Kyle Allen is doing a great job in managing the offense. He's a game manager, and he's doing a great job. Why? Because he's got Christian McCaffrey, who's drawing MVP talk to himself. So when you have Christian McCaffrey as your supporting cast, when you have Curtis Samuel both doing things for you, now you bring Cam Newton in who changes the dynamic of that offense and all of a sudden the spotlight is on him, I think that that could pose a problem. I'm a firm believer that when you have somebody step in at quarterback and they have done, or are really in a prime position, no matter the sport, and that person has been a catalyst to make your team go, that you have to stick with that person until it doesn't work anymore. We're dealing with that situation right now in Las Vegas with UNLV and its quarterback situation with redshirt freshman Kenyon Oblad versus Armani Rogers. UNLV just went to Vanderbilt and beat an SEC team. You don't change the quarterback. Same thing with Carolina. I think that this team has to continue to ride uh, what Allen is doing with the balance and on this offense and, and, and the supporting cast that he has because, like I said, when you bring Cam Newton in, the dynamic changes, and he is suddenly the star, and his decisions will, will be much different than what Kyle Allen would do while he's under center. Newton is a guy who's going to want to take over. He's a guy who's going to want to try to make those crucial plays rather than defer to his supporting cast. So I think right now 
the situation as it is, and with as well as it's doing, I think you have to stick with Kyle Allen. Getting some breaking news just coming over the wire a moment ago. The Anaheim, not Los Angeles Angels, have just announced a moment ago that that Joe Madden, former manager of the Chicago Cubs, has been signed on now as the new manager of the Anaheim, not Los Angeles Angels. To me, it's a bit of a stunning move, Willie, simply because of the ongoing investigation story now in the opioid abuse and apparently that leading up to the untimely demise of pitcher Tyler Skaggs. I would think a manager like Joe Madden wouldn't want to be a part of something like like that, but it's a big move for the Angels organization. Obviously, with Mike Trout there leading the charge in Anaheim, uh, that should be an interesting development. But again, multiple sources reporting right now Joe Madden has taken the job as the new manager of the Anaheim, not Los Angeles Angels. Willie, let's talk World Series. The Nationals are going to have some time to think about who they're going to play. They're going to have some time to scout the team they're going to play. Give me your thoughts. Who they match up better against, Astros or Yankees? I think the Washington Nationals can match up great against either team, to be honest with you. To be, to be quite honest with you, I think, I think the Nationals are peaking at the right time. They're doing everything that they, uh, with pitching and hitting. I think that's the difference between Washington and a team like Houston, which you hear the Houston Astros. We talked a little bit about this last week. You talk about the Houston Astros and you think pitching. They got this great big three. But like I told you last week that I wrote about is that the Yankees are not a team to you just count out because of Verlander and Granke and, and Cole. Because when you look at the history of what these guys have done against that team, a couple of inches and the Yankees win that game yesterday or they're back in it. They had Cole on the ropes. It wasn't a matter of, of, of Cole dominating here. That was not the case yesterday. Cole did not die. He even said in his locker he was very disappointed in his start. So that being said, I think Washington is a team that could disrupt what Houston does, and I think Washington is a team that could outslug the Yankees. I think that Washington balances itself out where it can hang offensively with New York and it can hang with Houston's pitching. Um, so I like Washington's chances, actually, and I think it's driven a little bit. This may sound odd. This may sound crazy, but I'm a big mental guy. I think that the Washington Nationals have a chip on their shoulder. Uh-oh, we're How does Bryce Harper feel right now? Uh, see, and I, and, I, and I couldn't be happier for the Nationals in that regard. Don't get me wrong, I'm a Dodgers fan. I watched that entire National League Championship Series thinking to myself, wow, that should be the Dodgers right now. But if I'm going to be happy for a team, I'll be happy for Washington. It's a cool story, formerly the Montreal Expos. Like, I can buy in to some of these stories. I'm excited about them taking on whoever it is coming out of the American League Championship Series. Willie Ramirez, you can follow him on Twitter, at Willie Ramirez. You can also check out his work over at GamingToday.com. Tell our listeners about the uh, about the website and what's available this week in your most recent column. Oh, well, you talked about baseball and you talked about the breaking news with Joe Madden. It's funny that you brought that up because in my column this week, I talked about why people are betting the World Series for 2020. The future's on 2020. So if you get over there, you can find out why people are not only betting the Astros to win the 2020 World Series, but why they're betting the San Diego Padres to win the 2020 World Series. Because they're insane. Also, I That's why. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I also, I also mentioned that the Angels are intriguing at 101 with arguably the best player in baseball in Mike Trout. 
Um, and the fact that they had, it, it, at the time, at press time, I had talked about how Joe Madden was the favorite. They had interviewed him. And it was a step in the right direction with the team that had the ninth largest payroll this season, $164.4 million. You figure with offseason moves, the Angels are a team that at 100 to right, you always think at the beginning of the season, well, what's this team going to do? Why? Because of Mike Trout. And it's got, the, it's got the lineup. It dealt with injuries. Yes, it's got aging players, but it's also got that experience. Right? you got a guy like Pujols. you got this lineup. Now you bring in Madden who can deal with the personalities and blend that lineup and do the right things. If they make the right moves and they can bring in the right pitching staff, I think that this is a team – that the line that that number will drop. I wouldn't be surprised if that future number that I reported in my column drops um, over the next couple of days, if not the next couple of hours. But by the time pitchers and catchers report, a hundred to one to win the World Series will drop. So the key is you bet on a future a big number like that just to get a team in the playoffs. Imagine Stephen this time next year if you're holding a ticket for a hundred dollars at a hundred to one on the Angels and they're in the playoffs. That's what a ten thousand dollar ticket! So now you're just hedging against the Angels until you, you, you win one bet, you get your hundred dollars back. But now you got a ten thousand dollar ticket if they win the World Series. You bet against them a few times and you make a few bucks. And if you lose, you still got that ten thousand dollar ticket. So a lot of value in what I like to see in future play. And like I said, if you head over to GamingToday.com, you can read my baseball column for free. There is a subscription, which is very inexpensive, to read all of the great columnists there. We give free NFL picks. I got six NFL picks for this week, and you're not going to believe the underdog that I'm going with over there. So go check that out. I got six free picks plus my NFL column on the Panthers. And like I said, a lot of good readers with every sport covered, from horse racing to hockey, you name it, college football, future NBA, college basketball, everything's covered. So great publication that's really revitalized. It's a 40-year-plus uh, publication that's been around for quite a long time in the sports books, and uh, I think the readers will really like it. GamingToday.com is the website. Willie Ramirez joining us here on the show. Willie, have a great rest of your day. We appreciate your time. We'll talk again very soon. All right, talk to you next week. Thank Have you. Have a great day, sir. Willie Ramirez joining us here on First Sports. Quick time out right now. Much, much more.